Hallelujah. I just love the presence of God. So God's working on some things inside of me, and part of it has to do with just how he wants to work through me, and I'm trying to make adjustments. It's good. Say, yea, God. Father, I love what you're doing, and my desire is just simply to be an instrument through whom you can speak, and my desire is that we would be all open to hear My faith rests not on my ability to be able to communicate, but on your ability to be able to speak into each person's heart, reveal your truth, and transform their lives. And I believe that you're doing a really good job, and I want to say, yay, God. And I just ask that we would be more open to what it is that you're doing in our lives, that that there wouldn't be any running God, as your light shines in, as your truth comes in, we would begin to recognize those as opportunities for deeper connection, deeper encounters with your love, opportunities for our lives to experience your work inside Lord, your kingdom can reign. There's a, there's a reason why you're at work in those opportunities that are presenting themselves. And Lord, we'd be able to see you at work, open our hearts up to that work. We would rejoice, God, in what you are doing. Because Lord, we declare that you are true, you are the reality, and when our lives are lived in in faith, resting in you, seeking you, walking with you, desiring nearness with you, God, when, when that is where our lives are lined up with, then, then God, we're becoming real and our lives are becoming whole. So just keep working in us. Amen. So the message today is this, that God would invite you, even urge you to be open and honest regarding the areas in your life where your faith is not developed and mature. Open and honest in your life where there's doubt that's causing a tension, a pulling in two directions. Open in your life where unbelief is formed because he's going to cause your faith to grow in incredible ways and going to diffuse your doubt and uproot your unbelief and you're going to be doing incredible things with him so i just want to talk about that i believe that's what god's going to do my my prayer is actually that as i talk to you it would be like a prophecy that's released with a power to perform the very thing that i'm talking about let me read this first two paragraphs so god's wisdom directs us to see enter and seek after and possess the realm of his kingdom and his righteousness the realm of his active power and the range of his effective will where god is at work and what god wills is done and where all is as he has planned and designed do you really want god active in your life, in every aspect of your life? Do you really want every aspect of your life to be submitting and surrendering to his will? Do you see that as the desired place to live so that everything in your life is as it was created to be? 
Those within this realm discover the benefit, satisfaction, and fulfillment, the joy and pleasure of living life with God and doing His will. His kingdom comes to reside within us, but it's also expressed through us. And so we have the joy, the privilege, and the responsibility through the authority and power of God's kingdom to destroy the works of the enemy, release those that are bound under his influence and captive to his will, to heal, deliver, release, and restore those that he has oppressed. This is our joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To enter and live in the realm of the kingdom of the heavens in the here and the now, to walk in the authority and the power of the kingdom in the here and the now, to experience the freedom and the joy of living in that kingdom in the here and the now, to be instruments through which the knowledge of God's glory increases and the realm of his kingdom advances in the here and the now, will require faith. Most of us operate in terms of little faith. Remember, I started off with, we need to acknowledge and admit. (laughs) It's okay. A relatively immature and undeveloped faith. We're growing. However, the God kind of faith, no matter how small it is, can release great power and do amazing things. Picture, if you will, a mountain being lifted up and thrown into the ocean. Picture, if you will, a tree being plucked up by its roots and cast aside. That is the power that can be released by simply a seed of the God kind of faith. So the message is that we should let God deal. First of all, grow our faith up. (laughs) Deal with the doubt and the unbelief that's hindering that faith from expressing itself. Begin to utilize our faith in God and in His Word and let that little faith develop and mature until it can overcome every obstacle and surmount every hurdle. And this we will do. Now that little faith will find it difficult to do the great things it was intended for if we don't acknowledge where we're at and be honest and if we don't deal with that doubt and unbelief openly. So, let's do that. But I want you to know that it is God's full intention for you to live from a place of powerful, unfettered faith. That's your inheritance. So we're just going to take a few moments to talk about great faith. Jesus witnessed that faith, and it caused him to marvel. So one was the faith of the Roman centurion in Luke 7, 1 to 10. A Gentile who had both rank as well as reputation. Desiring his servant to be healed, he sent some Jewish leaders to plead for him. And then hearing that Jesus was on his way, this 
centurion laid aside his rank and his reputation to honor that as a Jew, Jesus should not enter his home. And as one of superior authority, Jesus could simply command and nature itself must bow. He understood authority. Those were huge hurdles for his faith to get by, which is why when he got by them, humbled himself and acknowledged Jesus' superior authority, being a Gentile, Jesus said, that great faith amazes me. Great faith overcomes hurdles. The second one was the Seraphonician woman, also a Gentile, in Matthew 15, 21 to 28, whose daughter was demonized. And in response to her pleas for help, Jesus lovingly said, that it was unfitting for a dog to eat the bread that belonged to the children. This created a huge offense that if she wanted to see deliverance for her daughter, she would have to overcome. And so instead of letting that offense stand in her way, she humbled herself. And she asked that if this were the case she would, as a dog, be allowed to eat the crumb from off the table. Great faith overcomes great obstacles and great offenses, especially those offenses which offend our minds. Little faith. There are a few instances where Jesus, from the way I was taught in scriptures, reprimanded his followers for their little faith. It always confused me because he reprimanded them for their little faith, but then he said, if you only have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So which is it? Reprimand me for my little faith or tell me how powerful my little faith is? Yes, it's okay to be confused with the Scriptures. So in thinking about that, I was wondering what he would say about my faith. (laughs) Should I pretend to have more faith so I could escape the reprimand? In the Greek, the word used for little faith is olikopizo. Ah, I said that wrong. Pretty close, though. Which means just that, little or puny. So this seems like a slam, and if Jesus is disgusted with their puny faith, what hope do I have? (laughs) And then I came across an article written by a Bible scholar whose language was Aramaic. And it's agreed by most scholars that Jesus spoke Aramaic. And in the Aramaic Bible, the word that is used is ziora. I think that's how you say it which really means immature or undeveloped. So rather than size, little, it's talking about like a little kid, immature or undeveloped faith. 
The implication in the Aramaic language is that Jesus was not reprimanding them for not having enough faith or for their faith not being large enough, but their faith was not able to rise above the surrounding pressures and fears because it was yet undeveloped and immature. So the circumstances or the situations that were facing them were overwhelming the faith that they had. And so they needed to allow their faith to be matured. So I think the invitation is that we could honestly acknowledge that there are situations that we face that we allow to overwhelm our faith, hold us back from stepping in faith, because our faith is not yet mature and developed as it should be. Which means then we can come to Jesus and say, help me to develop and mature in my faith, which means then we can invite every circumstance that comes into our life to challenge our faith, to test our faith, to give us something for us to exercise our faith in as our friends. But your faith is the currency with which you lay hold of the unseen realm of the kingdom of heaven. So isn't it true that any opportunity to develop that faith and cause it to mature and grow so that when it is laying hold of the kingdom of heaven, what it's laying hold of is not pulled from its grasp because it didn't have the strength to hold on. So... There are some occasions where Jesus reprimanded little faith. Uh, One of them was in Matthew 6, 29 to 31. And what Jesus is talking about there, this is in his Sermon on the Mount. And he's teaching them that those who belong to God's kingdom should not worry They should not worry about provision. They should not worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear. But instead, first of all, they should look into the revelation of creation to see how God provides for everything. And then they should understand that that God is their God and that reality is now their reality that they are living in. So will not God provide for you? O you whose faith is not mature and developed enough to face situations where there is lack and there is need and to fully trust in him. And so the challenge is to not allow the lack and the need, the cares and concerns regarding that, to become the predominant factor in your life, the predominant focus. So that now dealing with those and pursuing those things becomes your primary focus and also shapes the decisions that you're making. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God. In this circumstance, God, where are you active and what are you after? Where are you active and what are you after? And then seek to live in 
a way that represents the righteousness he provides and empowers. So I am not allowing my worries and my cares to shape and direct my decisions and choices. So every circumstance that we're in that causes our faith to face that is a friend. It's an opportunity. Now, you're not being rejected because your faith isn't mature. You're being called forward. Being called forward. Don't let those situations have such a controlling... Let's learn to develop our faith. Learn to develop our trust. So, I'm not necessarily teaching this perfectly, but it's still good. The second one is Matthew eight twenty-five to 27. The disciples who are familiar with the sea, they're in the middle of a storm that's threatening to capsize their boat. The disciples, immature, untested, and developed, undeveloped faith, have not been in this situation with Jesus before to come to understand what does living in the kingdom, how does that affect you when you're in a situation when you're fearful for your life? So they panicked, and they abruptly waked Jesus, expressing the fear that they had that they were going to drown. That was what was now captivating everything. The fear that they were going to drown and... The accusation that his uninvolvement meant his lack of care. Now you think about it. The circumstances of life that cause fear to rise up in an overwhelming way. And God, where are you? And don't you care? Oh, you of undeveloped faith. Don't be condemned by that. Because that an unwillingness to step into the truth and say, you know what? It's me. Keeps you from being able to turn to him and say, okay, come into this area. So Jesus rose and he rebuked them, asking, why are you so afraid? And in one of the stories, he, he not only says, why are you so afraid? But he also says, Where is your faith? And again, in the Aramaic Bible, what he's saying, or the way it reads is, now show me your faith. Okay, all right, yes. Your life felt threatened, yes. You felt overwhelmed by the fear, yes. You came to me in a panic, just simply being overwhelmed with the idea that that your life was at its end and, and that I was uncaring for you. Now, storm be still. Now, why were you so afraid? Let's start to show me your faith. Matthew 14, 22 to 33. There's the story of Jesus walking on the water and the disciples seeing him do that were afraid that it was a ghost. And Jesus first of all, greets them in order to calm their fears. But Peter, he wanted more assurance. 
So he said, if it's you, bid me come to you. And so Jesus did. <laughs> come. In this case, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> come. come. What an experience, eh? Peter, fearlessly leaving the safety of the boat, ventured out onto the water above the waves until his natural senses kicked in. He immediately became overwhelmed with how reckless he had been and how impossible the situation was. And then he began to sink. But as he began to sink, he, he, he cried out for Jesus, and Jesus reached down and took his hand, lifted him up, and then walking with him upon the waves, returned to the boat. Now in rescuing Peter, Jesus lovingly reprimands him. Oh, you of immature and undeveloped faith, why did you doubt? And the word for doubt has the idea of being pulled between two opinions. Double-minded. Ambivalence. But you're divided. He had faith. That's why he stepped out. That's why he walked on the water. But now he also had his human reasoning and his natural understanding of the situation, which was now telling him he had been reckless and he was in an impossible situation. And now he's pulled between the two and he doesn't have the ability to break focus with this and keep his focus on Jesus. And the reason is because his faith is immature and undeveloped. Have you been experiencing God doing that in your life? Any of these in your life? Have you been experiencing him bringing you into circumstances? They, they just seem like natural circumstances, but God is at work. You are in his kingdom. And so you're faced with need, which raises concerns regarding your survival and your security, and it wants to come in and overwhelm you, and you're being faced with a choice. Will you keep your faith in me, and will you not allow those concerns to deter or direct your attention or your decisions? Have you experienced that happening at all? Have you experienced that situation where it was like fear came at you in an overwhelming way? And in the midst of that, you start crying out and God doesn't seem to be moving fast enough and, and you wonder whether he cares for you or not. And God, where are you and why are you allowing that? Have you... Have you had any of that stuff come out of your mouth? Isn't he a loving father? Aren't those such great opportunities? Have you been in those situations where you know God, you know his word, you've 
walked through, you have faith. You've stepped out, but all of a sudden in stepping out in obedience to him, there's other things presenting themselves that you go, uh, yeah, I understand the consequences now of stepping out here, and I think maybe I've been a little bit too, um, oh God, deliver me from the Peter in me. So then you find yourself, have, have any of you experienced that vacillation and that pull in your faith where, where you've actually kind of pulled back from your focus on him and you've started to get overwhelmed by the situation that was there and yet in the midst of that you've called out to him and his hand was still there to pick you up. Isn't he a loving father? Isn't he a loving father? Don't you understand that all of the circumstances of your life are orchestrated by him in order to cause your faith to grow because faith is what you need in order to negotiate your way successfully in the kingdom realm. Isn't he good in everything? Give thanks. Not because it's a little scripture verse, but because God is good. Matthew 16, 5-12. Jesus had just fed the 4,000 people from seven loaves and a few fish. And immediately the Pharisees and Sadducees came demanding that Jesus perform a sign to prove he was sent from heaven. How ridiculous is that? But following that discussion, Jesus and his disciples get into a boat where he begins to warn them that the Pharisaic thinking, like leaven, will influence your whole way of thinking. So you've got to guard against that. But the disciples were not listening because they thought that Jesus was upset that they had failed to bring bread. And Jesus said, Oh, you of immature and undeveloped faith, could you not hold in your mind for just this long the fact that we just fed 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fish? And before that, we fed 5,000 with two loaves and a few fish. Doesn't your faith have the ability to hold on and remember what I've done for you in the past so that you can hold the reality of me in your present? Doesn't your faith have enough maturity and strength? Isn't it developed enough that you can take from what I've done for you in the past and believe that's who I am for you in the present? What I've done for you in the past and believe that's the power that I have to do it in the present. What's being asked today is that you would be able to say, you would be able to have the honesty to say, no, my faith is not <laughs> developed and mature enough. Or you'd have the ability to see oh, this circumstance I'm going in is an opportunity for me to develop and mature my faith. So faith that faces need but holds fast to
to his goodness and care seen throughout all creation. Faith that faces fear, but then begins to exercise it, recognizing his awe and his power over all of creation. Faith that finds itself in the midst of two realities that are pulling against each other and detaches from the natural reality, focuses on the spiritual reality, and is unwavering. Faith that is able to go into a new circumstance, new situation, new things to overcome, new things to surmount, but lays hold of what God has done for me in the past and is able to bring it in and stand on that faith in the present situation. And then Mark 9, verse 14. And this is the story when Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration and he finds his disciples there and they apparently have tried to bring healing and deliverance to a boy that was deaf and dumb because of demonic interference within his life that actually at times sought to destroy him, have him throw himself into the the fire, etc. And they had attempted to bring deliverance to this boy. Jesus wasn't there. Peter, John, and James weren't there. But they seemed to be more of the leaders among the pack. So we have the rest of the disciples there, and they've attempted to bring deliverance. And it seems like the scribes and Pharisees were there because the story says in verse 14 of chapter 9, it says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, They were greatly amazed, and they ran up to him and greeted him, and he asked them, that's the disciples, what are you arguing with them about? So it seems like they went to minister deliverance, and it wasn't, at least it wasn't immediate. And immediately these scribes and Pharisees went in after them. And they began discussing, how come you couldn't do this? You could just imagine the discussion that happened. The scribes and the Pharisees who are trying to discount Jesus and whatnot, here's his disciples, they go to minister deliverance. It doesn't happen immediately. And the scribes and Pharisees are in there. They're arguing, they're debating, they're discussing. And it seems like the poor little boy is on the ground writhing while the disciples are trying to defend (laughs) defend themselves with the scribes and the Pharisees. They're trying to argue and debate this thing out. The poor little boy's down there because they've become completely overwhelmed with the opinion of the others. Now, when the man comes up to Jesus, he goes up to to Jesus, he says, Jesus, your disciples tried and they failed. Now, if you can, now if you can, how, how does he say it in there? He says, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams, and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. 
That's what the discussion's all about. And now I'm going to turn to Luke 17 because it's, it's in that story. Don't you wish they just put it all in one story? So you... Mark 9, 24. And it is often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. This is, look at, you can see, you can see the disciples doing this thing. They, they tried and all of a sudden, in comes the scribes and Pharisees. Hey, how come you can't do this? Why, why can't you? No, stop. So the father comes to him and he goes, well, if you can, Jesus, if you can, can is not the issue here. Can is not the issue here. All things are possible to him who believes. Can is not the issue here. Faith is the issue here. Oh, faithless generation. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Your thinking is twisted so that you do not find faith in God to be the natural way of response. And he says, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So there's a lot of different things going on and we're not going to talk about them all this morning. But first of all, just for the disciples... Oh, you of little faith, unmature, undeveloped, that when there are other opinions coming against you and arguments coming against you, and it's being challenged whether you can or not, you move to trying to defend and discuss rather than keeping your focus like Jesus did and just simply say, can This has to do with faith. And exercise your faith until you see it take place. In spite of failure that might, seeming failure that might be in front of you, in spite of all of the opinions and all of the discussions going around you, you don't move from a place of doubt. Can? Can? Can is not the issue here. All things are possible to him who believes. And you don't move from that place. You don't move from that place. When the disciples asked him later, and we'll we'll talk about this on another day, they asked him later, how come we couldn't come out? And he said, because of your unbelief. That actual word in there is the same word, your little and undeveloped faith. It's It's not the same unbelief as the man who said, help my unbelief. He says, it's because of your unbelief, your immature and undeveloped faith. And then he says, this kind comes out only by prayer and in some versions, fasting. And let me just throw this out. We'll, we'll talk about it at, on another day. Everything to do with the development of your faith, the ability to break free from doubt, and the ability to uproot and overcome unbelief is going to come out of your relationship with God. And your, your, your ability to, to focus on him, to know him, and to become completely dependent upon him. Now, there are things that you can do to make opportunity for that to develop. So God's at work in your life giving you 
opportunities for your faith to be tested, for your level of faith to be exposed, and for you, through your relationship with him, to develop your faith. He's going to give you that. He's going to, in those circumstances, reveal to you where doubt exists and also where unbelief exists. And I'm, I'm using unbelief, and I'll just throw it here, unbelief as those areas where you've come to a way of thinking and, resi- and reasoning that is resistant to even, okay, ev- yeah, strongly, somewhat resistant to strongly resistant to completely unwilling to be persuaded and move from the place that you are now. A way of thinking that resists putting your faith in him, putting your faith in his word. And there are areas within our hearts and our minds where that has happened. You're not going to see them removed outside of making the effort in circumstances to lay hold of God in relationship. And even to do those things that take you away from the things that provide supports in the natural, comfort in the natural, in order to develop your capacity to fully rely and focus on him. God, God's coming to mature us as a people. So let me, let me be done. Let me be done. I want to pray for you. Lord, I love these people. I have been a part of their story for a long time. And I don't think that there's one person in this room that I don't have love and respect and even admiration for knowing their journey. And Lord, they've walked with me and they have seen me walk out my relationship with you in the circumstances of life. And I will openly admit that even though there are many circumstances you have brought me through, my faith still remains in ways immature and undeveloped. And I want to learn. I want to learn how to work with you in relationship so that I don't miss opportunities that are presented to me to grow and develop my faith. And I don't want anyone here to be missing those circumstances because somehow they've allowed the circumstances of life to create uh, a doubt, an unbelief, even a bitterness within them. I want them to be completely free to run after you. And Lord, I know that doubt and unbelief play a factor not only in my life, but in our life as a congregation to fully unite and fully lay hold of and apprehend. We all say we want to see miracles, signs, and wonders, but we all have issues of immaturity, doubt, and unbelief that cause us to find it difficult to fully unite and fully apprehend. And Lord, there's no condemnation in that. So my prayer is that you would invade us with your love and you would teach us how to grow and how how to come to a place where though doubts will happen, they have no power over us 
and where unbelief has formed, it now is loosed off of us and we become free to believe that all things are possible to him that believes. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher and we just present ourselves to you. I love these people and I bless these people and my prayer is that you would now interpret this into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.